have you here today. What a privilege and honor it is to worship. So let's put our hands together and get ready to worship.
John 16, 33 says this. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen? Come on, let's give God praise one more time in this house this morning. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Grab a seat. We're so glad that you're here with us, and uh, we just want to say welcome. I'm Pastor Will, for those of you that haven't met me yet, and uh, we're just glad that you're here to worship with us. If you're in person, watching online, wherever you are, we want to say welcome. Don't the first, can we welcome our guests this morning? If you're joining us online, we want to let you know there's a few ways for you to connect, or maybe this is your first service with us. You can text D1TEXT to 84576. You can scan the QR code on the screen or grab a Connect card from the pew in front of you. And we ask that you fill that out with as much information as you don't mind us having. And with that, please hold on to it until after service. You can place it in one of the giving boxes. But more importantly, if you have that Connect card to fill it out, we ask that you visit us in the guest reception. Some of our leadership team would love to meet you, love to follow up with you, place a gift in your hand, and just say welcome to Dothan First. Can you give it up for our guests one more time this morning? So also, we are, we're so excited. We got life groups coming up. Somebody say life groups. Life is happening at Dothan First. We're so excited about what God is doing. And we're getting ready to start a new semester of life groups and freedom groups. We want to invite you to take those next steps. Uh, for some of you, as you came in through the lobby today, you saw that we have 20 plus life groups. So please sign up. And then also by the doors, right before you exit, you'll see our freedom group table. Please, I, I encourage you. In fact, I challenge you to sign up for freedom groups because that's one of the ways we get to we get to walk in freedom with each other so please sign up for those it's going to be a great time also we got grow track step two session two happening today right after service and you may say pastor will i missed session one that's okay you can jump in right now because it's not just a pathway to membership it's a pathway to ministry we want you to partner with us participate in the mission and vision of this house so we're super excited about that please sign up and if you're ready to take those next steps again I just challenge you, this is, a, this is a, a polite push for you to take those next steps. And ladies, where you at? Ladies in the house, wave at me this morning. We're so excited that you're here. We had a great night Friday night with Pastor Brittany uh, at Sisterhood Refresh. How many of you were in the room? How many of you were actually awesome? Awesome, so many of you. And uh, if you missed it, I just want to let you know, don't miss the next one. But we got a recap video we would like for you to check out. So look at the screen as we play just a quick refresh.
awesome. Y'all give it up for our sisterhood event. We're so thankful for Pastor Michelle and her vision for uh, the ladies because we believe here that women belong in leadership and we love to see them operate and have times of, uh, operating their gifts and have times of fellowship together. So, so thankful for them. But now is the time where we get to give. How many of you are thankful and are blessed this morning that God has blessed you? Oh, man, I'm so glad to be here. We're, I get a chance to be here because of your faithful generosity. And right now on the screen, you see that there are five ways to give. And as we get ready to continue our worship through our giving, I want to read Proverbs 3, 9 to you. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And that's the only part I'm going I'm to stop at because we are wealthy people. Amen. We're generous people, amen? And because we want to honor God with our wealth, that's what we're going to do. And uh, as I get ready to pray over this offering, I also want to let you know that we're going to release your elders to their various stations of prayer. Because as we get ready to go back into a time of worship, we want you to know that we're not just going to pray that God blesses you with your wealth, but we're also believing for your healing. And so as these elders are going to their various stations of prayer, on the exit sign on my left, your right, and on the right, your left as well, and up on the balcony, we want you to utilize this time to get those needs met. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, if you'll stand up on your feet and put your hands up on your side as if you're about to receive. And I'm going to pray a strategic blessing over your life, not just for your finances, not just for your generosity, but also for your healing as we get ready to go back into a time of worship. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the people that are in this house today. Father, we're believing that as we get ready to worship you, as we get ready to glorify your name with, with our generosity, with our gifts, with our talents, with our voice, that you be edified, that you be lifted up. And Father, we're believing for healings to take place as we go back into worship because it's all about you anyway. You are worthy, you are due praise, and we lift up your name today. And everybody said real loud, amen. Come on, let's worship together.
you this morning just to lift your hands to him I love this song because it's really a song of surrender it's a song of laying everything down to say Jesus you are most important you are the priority Lord to glorify you Lord to let my life represent you and magnify you in every way so Lord as we sing this one more time this morning God we just use it as a time of surrender to you be magnified in us, Lord. Come on, sing it with me. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified. 
sing out your own song to him this morning. You're the only one worthy of all our praise. The only one worthy. You alone are seated in glory. Above it all, you see it all. How reassuring is it this morning to know that not only does he reign above everything, the universe, but he sees you, he knows you, he's here for you, with you today. So today, God, we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your consistency, for your faithful love, God, for your sovereignty, Lord, for you being in control, God. We thank you that you are in control, Lord, that you truly do reign above it all. Nothing gets by without your notice, Lord. So today we honor you, we worship you, we praise you for who you are, God. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, church family. Our hearts are with you this morning there. We are in Huntsville with Pastors Katie and Michael Hamilton at the Becoming Church as they celebrate their first birthday of being a church. So we are giving them all the Dothan love from you to them today. And hey, ladies, oh my goodness, what a powerful, amazing sisterhood event that we had this Friday night. Pastor Britt, you brought the word, girl, and I'm telling you, I am excited for what the Lord is doing in our women, and we can't wait until we announce some more information coming to you about our conference in October. It's going to be incredible, and I just want to say thank you to Pastor James in advance, uh, because he's going to be sharing the word in just a little while, but uh, we have somebody special that's going to come up right now and introduce him, our wonderful, amazing, awesome daughter who's at Southeastern and is the beneficiary of their ministry as campus pastors at Southeastern University. Would you take a moment, give it up for our daughter, Cameron, as she comes to the stage at this time. Good morning, church family. So I have the privilege to introduce one of my most favorite people in the world. Um, Let me tell you, him and Pastor Britt are some of the most amazing leaders in the entire world. Um, I've never met somebody so intentional um, than the two of them before. They have the ability to make you feel heard, seen, and loved in just one conversation. Um, And it's funny, I was actually just having a conversation the other day um, with some students at SEU, and we were just reflecting, honestly bragging, about how much we just love the two of you. And um, here's just a few of the things that were said about Pastor James. I love how much he loves people. He's people-oriented and always has the best intentions for everyone around him. I love that he's always pushing you to do your best and challenging you to grow in your purpose. He's genuinely the best, yet so humble about it. He's so supportive, and I never have to second guess or question if he's in my corner. So, Pastor James, I just want to honor you and your family this morning. I thank you for being here. I thank you personally for pouring into my life. We love you. Um, So, everybody, get your notebooks ready because you're not going to want to miss a single thing that he has to say. So, can we all stand to our feet and give a Dothan first welcome to Pastor James Powell. 
Oh, come on, while you're standing, can we just thank Jesus for being Jesus for a second? Come on, I think you came with a crazy praise this morning. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm thankful he woke me up this morning. Oh, without him, I wouldn't be here today. Anybody thankful there's breath in your lungs? Oh, come on, just for a second, just a little bit of an undignified praise. I know it's Sunday morning at 1030. But I know where I'd be without Jesus. If you permit me the, the latitude for a moment. I, God, I'm thankful that you didn't leave me when I should have been left. You didn't forsake me when I should have been forgotten. God, I'm thankful that you're always on time and you're never late. I'm thankful that you see me, know me, and still love me. Oh, man, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just came with enough to praise him for this morning. Anybody else just wave at me one time if you know. If it had not been for Jesus, where would you be? Oh, man, I guess it's just in my heart. If you permit just a few moments, I know you're standing, but man, I just this morning feel uh, an expectation of the spirit of God this morning. Uh, I'm thankful that we don't show up on Sunday out of routine. We don't show up out of obligation, but we show up as an opportunity to give God praise for everything he's done. I mean, I, I've only lived a short 37 years. If you thought I was older, don't tell me. Um, but I'll tell you, in my short lifetime, I've learned this, that God is too faithful to me. He's not just faithful. He's too faithful to me. Oh, God's faithful when I'm unfaithful. Oh, God's, God's been there when I thought he shouldn't be. He's a good God. Uh, when I was growing up in church, they used to say, he's God all by himself. Oh, man. And I, I brought my own amen this morning. I may have to amen all by myself a few times. But I'm just so thankful for what God is doing in this place. I'm telling you, walk these halls on Friday, and the expectation, I, I told Pastor Mark, I said, I, I speak in thumbs sometimes. <laughs> I can feel what God is doing at Dothan First Assembly. And so before you see, God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you, not just for the legacy, God, but thank you for the fruit that has remained. God, thank you for what you have been doing, what you are doing. We raise our expectation this morning. God, we don't want church as usual. We don't want business as usual. We ask that you disrupt our plans, that you reorganize our minds and our hearts until they come in alignment with you. God, we put everything on the table today. Uh, all of our preferences, all of our desires, we put them on the table and we say, God, whatever you want, you have your way. Uh, we choose to set you in your rightful place. We enthrone you on our praises, and we say that you are God. God, I thank you that you are here, that you're moving in our midst. I thank you for this song that we just sang, that you reign above it all. Whatever we walked in with today, whatever we're walking through today, I'm thankful that you reign above it all. Whatever I'm dealing with in my mind, you reign above it all. Whatever's happening in my family or relationships, you reign above it all. In my finances or in my workplace, you reign above it all. God, we thank you that you truly do. We thank you that you are Alpha and Omega. You are beginning and end. You're first and last, but you choose to be present in the middle with us. God, we welcome your presence today. Oh, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, would you prepare the soil to receive the seed of your word? I'm thankful, God, that for all the things that you've gifted us with in the body of Christ, but I'm thankful for the promise of your word that it would never return void. And so we ask that there would be a grace on your word today, that it would set out all that you have intention for it to accomplish, and it would accomplish much, not just around us today, not in a building today, but in our hearts, God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. As I'm running out of time, one more time, would you give God praise and you can be seated right where you're at? Um, first of all, uh, I, I think it's incredible that we get the opportunity to be with Cameron on her birthday. It's Cameron's birthday today. And so happy birthday. You are extremely blessed. And I know you know this, um, but Pastor Mark and Pastor Michelle, uh, they're the real deal. They love you. They love Jesus. They love this church. Um, it, that may be odd to say, but it's a rarity in our culture today to find pastors who still love their church and catch this churches who still love their pastor. And you can feel that in this place. And it's amazing to be a part of uh, my wife and I, as Cameron mentioned, we actually pastor uh, just outside of Tampa, Florida. We pastor on a university campus. So we're uh, been doing that for the past two years. Before that, we pastored in Sacramento, California. Before you start having judgments, thinking I'm a California boy, let me just let you know that I was born and raised in North Alabama. All right. Oh, there we go. So I was so north of Alabama that I know there's only one team in Alabama when it comes to college football. Roll Tide. Amen. Come on. I, I heard some of y'all love Jesus. That's the only reason I said Roll Tide. And if you're an Auburn fan, wave at me one time. I see that hand. God, would you be with them right now? Would you just not? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I used to have a, a loving elder in the church that we pastored in North Alabama that if I started talking Alabama, Alabama and Auburn, he wouldn't say anything to me. He's never ugly to me. He'd just stand up and walk out. <laughs> He'd say, I'll get back when the heresy's over, preacher. I said, all right. Um, but I was born and raised in Alabama, and it's a privilege to be here this morning, to be here at Dothan First Assembly. For some of you, you've been around this church. You've been a part of this church for decades. And you know the history and legacy that this church has been a sending church. This church has been a giving church. It's been a loving church. And I've known about it since I was a young boy, Dothan First Assembly. Everybody in Alabama knows about Dothan First Assembly. And I thought of on all weekends that I get the opportunity to be with you, Pastor Mark and Pastor Michelle are announcing the one-year anniversary of another church that you sent and you planted. Thanks for being that type of church. Oh, it's such a gift that you're, you're that type of church. Well, my wife and I, we've been married just over 12 years. Um, I, she says it's two of the happiest years of her life. Um, she trained me for 10 and enjoyed the last two. Um, but we have, I saw somebody just elbow their spouse. I'll preach over here for a moment. Um, but we have two amazing boys, Braxton and Grayson. Braxton's nine years old and Grayson's six years old. And they're actually in the, the kids ministry right now. And you can see them there. They're just incredible kids, such a joy um, that we get the opportunity to parent them. I, I say joy, I pray a special grace and blessing on Grayson's teachers, wherever they are in the kids ministry right now. We've sent him to you praying that he would see Jesus today. Um, but they, uh, they're such a joy to our life. And I know you're, you're looking at that and you're going, man, he way out punted his coverage. Amen. You know, and so did so many of you. I'm looking around the room right now. That's just God's grace. But we have, uh, we've been in a season where we've had the opportunity, both on the West Coast, now living on the East Coast, to be a part of what God's doing in his church, not just in one location, but literally across the nation. I think today what God has assigned for me to talk about in these next few moments is an assignment. It's a word that I carry heavy on my heart. I feel like the Holy Spirit has really brought me to this moment. Um, because as we look at the, the culture today and the church today, uh, none of us would 
trip over our words to say that culture has only gotten crazier the last few years. Um, we pastored in California through a pandemic, through a, a divided nation. And in the last three years, what we've seen is a heightened uh, pressure from culture that there's more and more of a separation. And unfortunately, there have been churches who have been more about acclimating the culture than they have the gospel. And I think it's important for us today to really ask ourselves, what is it that God has called his church to do? Uh, the title of my message today is very simple. It's build your church. Would you say that with me? Build your church. Now, I, I got to tell you before you run with it too far that it's not build my church and it's not build your church. See, there is no my church or your church. There's only his church. And I believe that today what he wants to do is to call us to continue to build his church. Oh, hey, he said on this rock, he looked at Peter, a man that was broken, who was flawed, who was messed up, who would deny that he even knew Jesus. And he said, on this rock, I'll build my. Oh, come on. I come from a church that's a talk back church. Help me feel at home this morning. He said he built his what? He's built his church on the rock and that the gates of hell would not prevail. Oh my goodness, that is good news for us today, that if we are part of his church, it does not matter what the enemy does in culture. It doesn't matter how loud they get, how aggressive they get. I have a promise in his word that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Oh, we got a promise today for the purpose that he has for us. But when we talk about building your church, I got to tell you that some of my theology has been formed from parenting a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Uh, childlike faith. They've, they've taught me how to have a childlike faith. Uh, as I've bought my boys these toys over the years, and, and for those of you who maybe you feel my pain, when did toys become so expensive? Can we just, like, when, when did a McDonald's Happy Meal, two of them, cost me $25? Like, I'm looking for the two for 22 meals still. Now it's $22 instead of two, 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 you know? But I, uh, they, they taught me something with, with building blocks and Legos. You know, when your kids are growing up, when they're three and four, you buy them, the, we used to call them Lincoln Logs. Y'all remember those? Lincoln Logs. And the crazy thing about Lincoln Logs, any kid can play with them. You don't need an age. Because with Lincoln Logs, you just build whatever you want, right? With those blocks, you just stack them up. And what do most kids do? They stack them up as tall as they can, and then they, they knock them down. Because they built what they wanted. And when you build what you want, you can deconstruct what you want. And I'm going to tiptoe into a little bit of cultural theology for a moment. Uh, would you permit me the relational equity? I promise we're going to be best friends when this is over. Uh, you're like, man, I don't know about this preacher right now. But, but what we see in culture is that we see people continue to build their church. They build it the way they want. They're like, oh, it's just, just God gave us all of the bricks to build his church. And now I just build it how I want. It can look how I want it. It can sound how I want it. It's more preference. But that's not what God handed us when he said that he would build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail. No, he gave us Legos. Oh, come on. Legos. That used to be the cheaper toy to buy for your kid to give it a birthday party. Now, I mean, my, my kid sent me a, a Lego toy the other day. It was $400. That's U.S. dollars, American dollars. That's, I told him, get a job. <laughs> like dollars but the crazy thing about Legos is this, you can't build whatever you want because there's an instruction manual. There's a guide, there's a process, there's a step-by-step. -step. 
But because you don't build it how you want, you know what kids don't do? They don't spend time, effort, and energy building this Lego set and then knock it down. So in a diverse room of different demographics, ethnicities, ages, and stages, I want to remind us that when God said he would build his church, he wasn't building the church that we wanted. He was building the church that he wanted. Oh, that means that church is never built around preference or bias. No, 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 no. Church is built over one thing, a purpose to glorify God and expand his kingdom. You're like, okay, preacher, show it to me in the word. I'm glad you asked. I will. I want to go to the first half of the Bible to the Old Testament. I want to go to the Old Testament. And I want to go to a, a, a book in scripture that I don't know that we camp out in enough. I want to go to the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, what we see is that the, the Jewish people, the children of Israel, God's chosen people in the first half of Scripture in the Old Testament, they've been in exile for 92 years in a place called Babylon. A place called Babylon. There were different customs, different gods, there were idols, there were different ways to worship and different people to be worshipped. See, I don't think we're too far removed from what those early God's people felt like being exiled into a place that was idolatrous against the God that they loved. Well, today in the culture that we're in, while I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have in our country, for those who fought for us to have the freedom of speech and freedom of religion, we also have to recognize that culture is raising another banner of cancel culture where they long to cancel the church. And it can feel like at moments we're in exile, but I'm thankful that we still have a promise on the second half of Scripture that says that we can continue to see God building his church. So Nehemiah and the children of Israel have been in exile for 92 years. 92 years. In 92 years, they've lost their place of worship. They've lost the walls around Jerusalem. Walls were important back then because walls would have been protection, would have been provision. They would have also provided unity for the people to be able to gather together and also to be able to come out from among the culture of that day. So for 92 years, they've been without a place of worship. For 92 years, they've been without a purpose. For 92 years, they've been without provision and protection. But I'm thankful that God always shows up at the right time, at the right place, to give a now word to the right person. I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 3, and it says this. They said to me, those who survived the exile are now back in the province and they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. This next passage I think is so key. It says, when I heard the things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I want us to first notice the posture of this leader, the humility of a leader named Nehemiah. Listen, at this moment, Nehemiah is not an architect. We don't get a biography that he's a construction worker. All we see is that there was a man of God who saw what had taken place in the surroundings and had a burden on his heart to do something about it. See, I can either have a holy burden or I can have human bitterness, but I can't have both. I will see, as I talk about the culture, I'm not bitter at the culture. I'm brokenhearted and burdened for the culture that we have today because I know the only hope that humanity has ever had or will ever have is Jesus Christ. So as I look at culture, I, I feel like for us, it's almost the opportunity to have a little bit of a burden today and say, yeah, things around us are chaotic, 
The planet around us is broken. People are going through fractures in society. They're having questions about identity and sexuality like never before. Why? Because they need the hope of heaven. They need Jesus. But we don't have a place of protection to invite them to if the walls are torn down. So Nehemiah's first response is he wept. I want to ask us, this is just bonus. It's not a point in your outline or something for you to write down. But I want to ask us, when's the time, last time that we wept over what God weeps for? Have we wept for the world that we live in? Have we wept for the culture that we're a part of? Have we wept for the brokenness in the people around us? Uh, a mentor of mine once challenged me. He said, James, never be upset with ungodly people for acting ungodly. I said, well, what are we supposed to do about it? He said, no, no, no. He said, we need to live in such a loving, caring, compassionate manner that it compels people who are ungodly to begin to live godly. So for us, what would it look like for us today to have a posture that says, no, no, we're not against them, but for us to truly be the light that God has asked us to be in a dark world, to be that city on a hill, to be that hope in hopeless situations. We have to ask ourselves, have we actually built up the church that God had planned long ago? So 92 years, they're in exile. The walls are torn down. Everything's in decay. Everything's in destruction. They're experiencing division even amongst the Jewish people. And God puts a burden on Nehemiah's heart. And what happens between Nehemiah chapter 1 and Nehemiah chapter 6, we'll unpack. But this is what it says in Nehemiah 6 and 15 and 16. It says, so the wall was completed in 52 days. Everybody say 52. Now, this is amazing to me. I think sometimes we sanitize scripture so much it sedates our soul. If we're not careful, we just read numbers and we read letters and we forget that this is the ever-living, ever-breathing, ever-moving, all-powerful Word of God. It says that 92 years they're in exile, but the wall was completed in how many days? 52. What would it look like to partner with God in Him building His church that He does things on a different timeline? What if, what if we're not waiting on something else? What if when we wait with God, we work for God, he completes the process in a different timeline. And it said in 52 days, it says, with the help of our God. So I want to take just a moment today and I want to talk about how do we actually partner with building his church? What would be the building blocks of building the church that God has called us to build? And I don't just mean Dothan First Assembly. I believe that God has given your pastors a vision and a strategy to accomplish all God has called this church to do. But as the capital C church, those of us from different corners of the planet, what would it look like for us to partner and build the church that God's longed to build? Well, between Nehemiah chapter 1 and Nehemiah chapter 6, there's a pivotal verse that I believe is our building guide, our instruction manual for how to build his church. In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 20, it says this. It says, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will arise and build. I want us to kind of get this in our spirit before we unpack it. I'm going to ask you to read it with me. It says, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will arise and build. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to read it now with faith and vigor. Are you ready? Look at your neighbor and say, come on, you got to get ready. All right, and here's why. Because the louder you talk back to me, the quicker I preach. And I want to get, they said I only have about 77 minutes to preach today. <laughs> I'm kidding. I saw somebody clench their purse. All right. I want us to read this like it actually is the word of God, like it has actually survived thousands of years and wars and people trying to twist it and change it. I want us to read it like it's a gift from heaven, like it actually is. Would you do that with me today, church? All right. Right. The God of heaven 
will give us success. We, his servants, will arise and build. I want to unpack this just for a moment because I believe that what God does in the heart of Nehemiah changed everything. In between 1 and 6 of the chapters of Nehemiah is Nehemiah 2 and verse 20. When God first began to stir this verse in my heart, we were pastoring in California. Our church had been shut down for several months. We were trying to find ways to help people in the city. I got a call from the police chief in a neighboring city who said they had seen more suicides in a few months than they had seen in years. And I said, we have to figure out how do we be the church in dark times? How do we open our doors and help a community? They didn't need more motivation. They didn't need inspiration. They didn't need cooperation. What they needed from the church was to be a light in a dark moment. So the first thing it says, the God of heaven, the God of heaven. The first thing we have to be today is God-centered, God-centered. Listen, if we will put our center on God, then I believe that we'll build his church. Oh, because whatever, whatever's at the center is what gets the power. A lot of us, if we're not careful, we'll put God at the first of our day and forget him the rest of it. Amen or oh me, Right. Like, no, I woke up at 5 a.m., I talked to him for five minutes, and I went on my day, I made all my own decisions, I did my own thing, unless something goes wrong, right? Then we want to talk to the manager again, <laughs> right? But when we put him at the center of every decision, of every relationship of our life, oh, that puts the most powerful person in the most powerful place. I think of it like this, when I was growing up, we loved to go to the park, man, that was the thing. And when I was growing up, they didn't have all the stuff they have now. Number one, it wasn't safe, like... I, last time I took my kids to the park, there's like mulch and stuff, but it's bouncy. I'm like, there's a trampoline under the dirt right now. I don't know how they do it, but it's safe. When I was growing up, man, you had, you had to get a tetanus shot every time you went to the park, right? You know what was going to cut you. You don't know what was going to get torn. You wore play clothes to the park because you knew they were too bad to wear to school. But there was a couple of things that you had at the park. Um, there was the metal thing. It would all be, always be rusted. It was squeak. It was a, what was it? Merry-go-round, merry-go-round. Uh, then you had the, uh, the, the, the bars you'd swing across. and then, uh, But you had this one thing. It, it was the one thing that you got on with a friend or an enemy and all your intentions changed. It was called the seesaw. You know what I'm talking about? Because oh, with a friend, it's fun. Just up, down, up, down, right? It's great. But with an enemy, <laughs> what would you do? You, sometimes you put the light one on one end. You just sit and just let them sit up there, right? Or, or you, you get on there and you get to the bottom and what would you do? Some of y'all are evil. You'd just jump, you'd jump off. Who said it? Whoever, God, I pray for this man right here. He was a minister society back then. I, I know because I did it too, all right? But what's crazy about this is as I begin to think about what it actually looks like to put God at the center, the center is the fulcrum. If we want to break down the science around a seesaw for a second, if you look at the physics, the most strong and powerful part of a seesaw is where? At the at the center of it, it's what carries all the weight. That means things can go up and down on either side of it, but it never changes. That means it can go left or right and it never changes. It can be up or down and it never changes. I am thankful that it's not just something we say on Sunday, that God is the same yesterday. I wish I had a witness in this place. Today and will be forever. When God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, economies change, and I don't. Politics change, and I don't. Music changes, and I don't. Society changes, I don't. Why? Because I'm built on the center. Oh, man, I, I, I'm on amen. Amen, preacher. Preach that. 
What does it look like for us to actually put God at the center, though? I'm not just talking about the center of the church. He'll never be the center of the church if he's not the center of my life. If he's just something I do on Sunday, he'll never be the center of this church. Because I'll come in with the same preferences I had on Monday into the church on Sunday and ask God to acclimate to me. But God does not acclimate to humans. No, no, no. Because if God has to do what we want, now we're God and he's not. So he's got to be the center of my life. Number two, he's got to be the center of my marriage. Don't, don't, don't elbow. You won't get a ride home. How do you put God at the center of your marriage? I stop fighting for my own preferences. And I choose to die to myself like Christ died for his church. See, if I truly want to put him at the center of my marriage, it means that I don't just fake it on Sunday. No, I have spiritual warfare on Monday. I pray and wrestle through the decisions that we're making. And for God to be the center of his church means God has to be the center of my own personal finances. Because when he's not at the center, everything else becomes the fringe. What does it look like for you and I to recognize that? Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, Nehemiah goes through this whole thing. And what he does is he begins to repent to God. He weeps and mourns because the walls are broken down. But Nehemiah had a perspective that I think is so key. He didn't say, God, you left us out here. God, you messed us up. God, you forgot about us. He said, no, no, no. God, we disobeyed. And because we disobeyed and we forgot your laws, because we forgot that you were God and we're not, God, we repent. When we begin to repent and remember what God has done and who God truly is, I believe he remembers us. Not he remembers as in he forgot about us. He begins to put us back together. While we're building his church, he's building our marriage. He's building our finances. He's building our integrity. When I put him at the center, he builds everything better. Can I give you just a couple of things that happen um, when when you put something else at the center? Because whatever I give the center, I give power to. If I'm self-centered, I'll live unhappy. Oh, when it's about me. Oh, I'm always displeased because people didn't do enough for me. Some of us, our expectations of other people are so high, they do their very best, and all we ever do is let them get back to even. Oh, that's self-centered. But when I'm God-centered, I'm looking to serve, not to be served. If I'm look-centered, I'll be insecure. If I'm failure-centered, I'll feel discouraged. If I'm other-centered, I'll worry. It's hard to worry and worship at the same time. If I'm other-centered on a Sunday, I'll be other-centered on a Monday. If I'm problem-centered, I'll become delusioned. I think it's important to recognize that Nehemiah is facing all of these feelings, but in spite of that, he removes some things from his life. He reveals some things in that people, talking about sin and repents of it. And then three, he remembers. When we remember God, God remembers us. Point number two is this, is we got to be faith focused. He said, the God of heaven will give us success. Now, faith is lunacy until it works. (laughs) This man's been in exile for 92 years, and he stands, prays, and proclaims to a nation of people who have been without protection for 92 years, the God of heaven will give us success. I guarantee there's somebody in the back like, boo. 92 years, Nehemiah. Sit him down. He doesn't know. He's just just young. He hasn't been around long enough. He doesn't understand how hard it is. He doesn't know what we've been through. No, Nehemiah put God at the center, which allowed him to have faith that focused him. See, I'll either lean into fear or I'll live in faith. I can't live in both. I was growing up, my dad taught it to me this way. He said, son, if you got two dogs and you put them in a fight, 
You got this big dog here and you got this big dog here. And you get ready to fight him. You take him for two months. And you got this dog faith and this dog fear. Which one wins in the fight? I said, Daddy, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a pit bull? Is it a Rottweiler? Is it a golden retriever? What is it? He said, it don't matter what it is. Whatever dog I feed the most will be the dog that wins. I wonder sometimes what we allow ourselves to feed the most. You can turn on any news station today and guess what you're going to feed? Fear. Oh, come on. Why? Because it is the, most, the emotion of humanity that drives us most. You want to get somebody to do something? Get them afraid. Fear. But I wonder what it would like, look like for you and I today to say, I'm not feeding fear anymore. I'm going to feed faith. Well, how do I feed faith? Well, we have to do what Nehemiah did. He remembered. Wait, wait, wait. I got the same God that split the Red Sea. I got the same God that pulled manna from heaven. I got the same God that crossed the Jordan River. I got the same God who tore down walls of Jericho. And if my God can tear down walls, my God can build walls. Sometimes all I need to do to build my faith is just look back. And if you can't look back, some of you, you're new to faith or you're new to church, you go, James, I don't, I don't know enough Bible stories. So that's why you need to get in a life group. You get in a life group because we can't look back. You know what you better do? Look around. Oh, you get in a group and you start talking to somebody. You go, hey, man, uh, I, I want to pray about something, right? And they pray about something, which sometimes you get in a group. I don't know if this is happening to y'all. You get in a group. I pray for something for three months. They, they pray for three days, you know. I'm praying to get a, a raise on my job. They're praying for, like, something that's a miracle. They pray for three days. God does it. You ever do that? And anybody be honest, you get upset when their prayer gets answered. They'll go ahead and put your hand up. It's okay to be honest in church. I mean, God, I've been praying for three months, three days. One time God just dropped it in my heart. He said, James, you don't understand. Whenever I answer a prayer for somebody else, you ought to be encouraged. So I'm not encouraged. Y'all are like, wow, I can't believe a preacher said that. I'm not encouraged. He said, you should be. He said, what do you do whenever Amazon shows up in your neighborhood? He said, you get excited. You know it ain't your delivery, but you know they're in the neighborhood. Sometimes you better just get excited that God's delivering miracles around you because it means he's in the neighborhood. Oh, I'm thankful that when I get in a group and somebody says, oh, I got that promotion. God healed my body. He ain't done it for me yet, but he's in the neighborhood. Anybody thankful that sometimes he's just in the neighborhood? Mm. I'm thankful that he's just in the neighborhood sometimes. Faith focus. You can't look back. You can look around. So God of heaven will give us success as faith focus. We his servants. Say it with me, servants. Oh, we his servants. I love that Nehemiah could have labeled these people in any way that he wanted. He could have said, we his powerful warriors. We his exiled victims. We his spiritually strong survivors. He said one word, we his servants. Oh, he in the Old Testament did something that would only be confirmed through the life of Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus said, in order to be great, you must serve. Nehemiah knew that the tension point in time was simply this. Will we serve the vision that God has given us? Servant-hearted. What would it look like for us to have a posture in our hearts, with our hands, and with our lives that says this? It says, oh, I'm just here to serve. I'm just here to serve. What part can I play? Nehemiah labels them this way, and it's so critical and it's so key. Because what they're going to face is a lot. No, they're going to face uh, people that are going to 
talk against the vision. They're going to face distractions. They're going to face fear. They're going to face people trying to tear the wall down. There were moments where they had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. They had to build and battle. Why? Because they were servant-hearted. That meant nobody was known by their job or their role or their preference or what they used to do or the amount of money that they had. No, no, no. It was, we're just servants. See, in the kingdom of God, we have to recognize that it's only equal ground at the cross. Oh, it's only equal ground. It's all the same. doesn't matter if you've been saved for 35 years or for 35 minutes. You're now just a child of God. And as children of God, we're called to serve. I love what Nehemiah deals with, but he keeps a faith that keeps going. In spite of criticism in chapters 4, verses 1 through 3, in spite of discouragement, chapters 4, verse 6, in spite of fatigue and frustration and fear, division, distractions, defamation, and danger, he stayed servant-hearted. If you permit a young 37-year-old pastor to simply ask the question, have you allowed your heart to shift from serving to being served? We see two characters that rise up and speak against the vision of Nehemiah. Sanballat and Tobiah. They were distracting. They were trying to divide. They were trying to discourage. See, we have that promise. The gates of hell will not prevail. They cannot defeat the church. The enemy can't defeat the church. But I believe his greatest weapon over the last three years has been this. Divide and distract. Divide and distract. If, if I'm not being servant-hearted, I may have the heart of Sembalat or Tobiah. Oh, man, it got tight in here. I'll camp out. I got to ask myself, am I building for the vision or am I distracting from the vision? Has my preference got in the way? Has somehow something that I wanted to see happen in the church Maybe it doesn't fit what God wants for his church in this season. Will I elevate what he desires or my own desires? See, the enemy's greatest way of distracting and dividing the church is always by discouraging our own hearts. I cannot start with discouragement and expect to arrive in hope. No, we have to have hearts that are posture saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. That's the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What would it look like for us to approach church in such a manner? says, I don't care if it's my kind of song or not. I don't care if it's a suit and tie or a sleeveless cutoff. I don't, I, don't, I don't care. The biggest thing I care about is Christ being magnified as God building his church. Point number four, and I'm closing because you're ready for lunch. It says, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will arise and build and build. I have a part to play. I have a part to play. Yes, we pray that God would build his church, but then we also are participate, participants in building it. We actually got to get our hands dirty. We got to be a, a part of the construction process of building the church of Christ, right? We, we get that opportunity. Oh, for us to truly say, okay, we will arise and build is future-oriented. Oh, I, I, I think that Nehemiah had a way of getting them focused on the future. They celebrated what God had done. That's how they got faith-focused, Right? They're, they're focused on God's with us. He's powerful. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above we could all ask, think, or imagine, but also according to his power at work in us. So now with my heart being servant-minded, I go, God, what do you want to do through us? He did something in us, so he might do something through us, future-oriented, looking ahead. One of my greatest highlights of this trip will be walking through your kids' rooms. 
On Friday night, I walked through and I just started asking questions. Not only are they excellent and safe and nice, as a parent, I felt good about sending my kids to the kids area. But I said, it looks like y'all are expanding things. Oh yeah, we're, we're expanding. We got upstairs and downstairs. That excited me, not just because it meant numerical growth, but it meant a posture of future orientation. Saying we're not just the church of yesterday or today, but God's church is like God's character. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, we have to have a church that's built to lead, disciple the yesterday, the today, and the tomorrow. For us to be future-oriented may mean this weekend, join a life group. It may mean this weekend, signing up to serve with kids. If you're single in the room, if you're a single guy, you're like, man, I, you know, I started coming to church, I wanted to meet you know, my future spouse, I want to meet my bride. Let me tell you the best way to do it. I'm gonna give you a spiritual shortcut. Start serving in the nursery. I promise you. Listen, I've been pastoring for almost 20 years. Let me tell you what happened. You rock a baby, somebody's going, my goodness, Brother Andy, how are you today? You watch. Serving is attractive. If, if I was talking to college students, I'd say something different than attractive, but I won't say it right now. But serving is attractive. What would it look like for you to serve? I say, no, no, no. It, it's not just what is Pastor Mark doing or what is Pastor Will doing or Pastor Michelle doing. That's not the church. I'm the church. No, I have to build this church. Uh, man, I wish our church, I, I wish just for a moment, would you think about it? Would you think about the thing? I wish our church would. What is it? I wish our church could. I know camera people, I messed you up, it's fine. I wish our church could do what? Solve what? Serve who in the community? The church is not this building. That's the church. That's the church. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you see what God did when he decided to build his church and not just buildings? He unleashed his power of hope and healing throughout our cities and our communities. See, when we partner with them and we go, okay, the God of heaven, I'm God-centered. We as servants, I'm servant-hearted. I'm faith-focused, I'm future-oriented. That means whatever popped into your heart, it's not, I wish Pastor Mark would. I wish Pastor Will would, no. God, if you want your church to do it, I'll do it. Oh, God, you want us to, to go to this nation or this country? Sign me up. Oh, I don't, I don't need them to do it. He's equipped you to do it. This pulpit's greatest purpose is to equip you to accomplish everything that God wanted his church to do. Oh, it's not that they would do it. It's that we could do it, that we would be unleashed. The Holy Spirit assignment I believe that I have today. Oh, it's not just to preach a sermon. You, you got amazing pastors and preachers. You don't need another sermon. I think the greatest opportunity I have today in my assignment today is to unleash you to be the church. Oh, when he wants to build the church, he builds people. He builds it in you. He built gifts and talents and designs in you, desires to meet needs in the community. How many of you ever passed somebody on the street, you saw them begging for money and you thought, man, I wish our church could. Now your church can through you. What would it look like the next time you take an Uber to pray with somebody, the next time you, you go in a restaurant, you get ready to pray for your food. I, I watched your pastor do it so naturally yesterday. He gets ready to pray for your food, said, hey, real quick, Sarah, wait, Sarah, Tara, what, what's your name? Sarah, okay, Sarah, real quick. We're gonna pray for our food. Is there anything we could pray for for you? Tear, yeah, would you pray for my son? 
Oh, you, you had church. Dothan First Assembly had church yesterday at Toasted Yoke. You didn't even know it. And I believe that God wants to have Dothan First having church in houses all over this community, in places of work all over this community. And it's not just sermons we speak, it's sermons we live. I'm a living testimony. When I was 17 years old, I was homeless living in the back of a Ford Explorer. I'd been there for several months, abusing prescription drugs and alcohol. I'd been through severe trauma as a child and all of it came erupting out at 17. All I knew to do was leave everything I knew and try to figure it out on my own. Thankfully, I had some older, wiser people who were in my parents' church who found out I was living in my Explorer. They came and found me and said, you're gonna live with us. I said, no, I'm good. They said, no, you're not. You're gonna live with us. They finished the attic in their house. They let me live there. They had a couple rules. One, you're gonna wake up every morning, you're gonna take communion. Two, you're gonna get a job. You know what they decided to be in that season? They decided to be the church. Oh, I wasn't going to church, but I was living in a church. Because people recognize that when God wanted to build his church, he didn't build buildings, he built people. Some of you have been in this church for 20, 30, 40, maybe even 60, 70 years. You are pillars that this next generation stands on. You are the foundation that now God begins to provide beams and structure and sheetrock and plumbing and electrical to. Oh, it doesn't replace what you've done. It now gives place to what God wants to do through them. And for those of you who are new to this church, we get the opportunity to thank God for a foundation that endures. When a lot of churches shuddered and shattered, this church stood strong. And now you get the opportunity to be built in so you can be built through. I wanna ask you this morning, what is it that God's speaking to your heart? Which area of those four building blocks have you forgotten? Which area of those four building blocks have gotten out of order? Have you been doing the linking log game? You just show up on Sunday, you throw a little bit of change in the plate, and you go, all right, I did my thing. And maybe today God's going, no, I wanna build my church through you. I wanna unleash you to serve our kids and our youth and other countries and nations, to serve across the street and around the world. Because I believe as he builds in us and through us, the kingdom of God is expanding, culture is shuttered, and the church of God is made brighter and more full of hope than it ever has been before. I'm gonna ask you all across this room, left to right, front to back, on the floor and in the balcony, close your eyes just for a moment. You're in this room, you say, James, I love what you said about church, but quite honestly, I, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I feel separated. I feel like maybe all the bad stuff I've done measures up. I want you to hear me say this. The only reason we have a church is because God saw fit to send his son, Jesus. He looked like us, but he didn't live like us. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago, but he was raised to new life to prove that nothing could stop God's love for us. He was God's ultimate reconciliation plan. And I believe that today is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to allow him to be the Lord and savior of your life. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you all across this room, left to right, front to back, floor and balcony. I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand. I'm not gonna stand you up or call you out. 
I just want to pray a prayer for you. If that's you on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Right where you're at. Yeah, I see you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dad, you make that decision. You're setting a legacy of spirituality for your kids. Ma'am, you make that decision. You're setting a spirituality and legacy for your family. Anybody else join us? Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? I'll wait. Yeah, I see you. God, I thank you for my friends who are making a decision to follow you today. For the first time or first time in a long time, I ask God that your Holy Spirit would dwell in them, lead and guide them into all truth, that you would surround them with a community to encourage them and equip them to do all that you've equipped them to do. I pray, God, they would never be the same. In Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask you to do something bold, Dothan First Assembly. Every eye open, every head raised. If today you say, I want God to build his church in me and through me, would God do ex exponentially more, not just in this building, but in this church and through this church? that our best days would be in front of us, that we're gonna partner with what he's building. Build your church, not my church. If that's a declaration that you can affirm this morning, I'm gonna ask you to boldly with every eye open, every head raised, would you stand with me? And I wanna pray a prayer of blessing over every single one of you. God, I thank you that you are building your church. You're building in the lives of these people. I thank you for men and women who seek after your heart, who seek after your will, who seek after your way. God, I pray that the best days are in front. I pray for resources. I pray for encouragers, for builders to be developed and unleashed in this house. God, would you do what only you can in us and through us? I pray, God, there would be agents of healing. There would be agents of freedom. There would be agents of hope and compassion raised up in this house to expand your kingdom. We pray all these things in the name above every name, the name of our hope and liberating king in Jesus' name. And somebody said, oh, come on, can you give God praise in this place? Can we magnify Jesus just for a second? Oh, oh come on. Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified today. Pastor James, such a strong word. Can y'all give it up for Pastor James one more time? That was a word for this house. I appreciate it. And uh, right before we, we, we dismiss and, you know, all the other stuff that we do, we just want to give an opportunity to sow a seed back into your family. We thank you for the deposit that you and Brittany have placed in our church this weekend. Uh, I know the, the boys are in kids first, but thank you guys for what you've done. On the screen, you're going to see five ways to give, as we mentioned earlier. And if you have to fill out a check or whatever that looks like, just please put in either guest or James and Brittany or however you want to do it. But as I get ready to pray, the blessing over you is especially over you. 
you guys today. For safe travels, they're going back to Lakeland today. And uh, again, I just can't thank you enough for what you what you brought to us. And uh, last thing I want to mention is uh, if you did make a salvation decision, we want you to text D1 Walk to 84576. That's going to be one of the ways that we get to walk this path with you. Uh, it's a it's a book called One to One. It's just a discipleship process. So please utilize that. Also, reminder: Girl Track Step Two Session Two going on today. Please participate in that. And then also, first time guests in the guest reception. Please find us in there. We want to meet you. We want to shake your hand, get you a gift, and uh, please utilize those giving opportunities. But let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for Brittany and James for what they deposited in us this weekend. I pray that you continue to bless their ministry, that you bless their family. Father, let whatever their hands touch be blessed. And I thank you for the investment that they made in our people right here in Dothan First. And Lord, as we do every week, I'm going to pray a blessing over our people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. And may the Lord write his name on your heart and declare you are his child and that nothing can separate you from his love. I bless you to be a blessing, that you may love God and love people, that, that you may love people the way that he loves us. May he bless you today, this week, and the days to come with good gifts. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You are dismissed.